Welcome to Paytech Talk, the podcast about payments. Enjoy the show. It's interesting because Jim mentioned two very, like, I think, American payment methods or alternative payment methods, Venmo and Zelle. So could you either you explain what those two, two things are for the non-American listeners out there? Basically, Zelle and Venmo are both ways to pay each other or financial institutions to transfer money. The biggest difference between the two is Zenmo is actually owned by PayPal and Zelle is owned by the financial institutions, by a consortium of financial institutions. It was a response to Venmo. What is interesting is when you start to look at the numbers and how they brag independently about what's going on, Zelle will say they have the largest dollar amount and the most number of transactions that are processed through Zelle. That is a true statement because what happens is if I make a utility bill payment through my bank, through a, a bill pay service, it's going through the Zelle system. There's the four shows up as a Zelle transaction. So I'd say, and I'm going to make this up, I'm going to say 80 to 9% of what Zelle is comprised of are transactions that were done in other ways before, but not consumer to consumer. The biggest difference is in the U.S., you will continually hear the statement, hey, just can you just Venmo me the money? You'll never hear anyone other than an older consumer, you'll never hear, can you Zell me the money? Zell may be used for community associations where it's just somebody's more comfortable with Zell because their financial institution pushes it and they wouldn't take Venmo because it goes to a personal account just a little differently. But the biggest difference between the two is Venmo is very much a consumer-based product, while Zelle is, is owned by financial institutions. You also, my son, for instance, has had a, a Venmo account since he's had a bank account. He knows what bank provides the funding, but every, virtually every one of his transactions are either on a credit card, which is a Discover card or a Capital One card, or is a Venmo transfer. He will never, he's never written a check. When they asked him, when uh, his school at that time asked him for his checking account number, he didn't know how to find it. We didn't know it was on the mobile banking um, application, on the platform. So he had to go to a branch and say, where do I find this? Because I never got any checks. So it's a very different thing. Venmo also offers cards. They offer a broader array of services that Zelle does not. Zelle's basically just a payments platform. Yeah, and I'm constantly getting an ask from Venmo, do I want to open a Venmo credit card, right? Because yeah, I've right. qualified. But to Jen's point, Venmo is an app. It's P2P. The real key is it's P2P, account to yeah. account, right? Yep. And Zelle was out there a little bit first, again, because the banks, that was another consortium to play in the real-time space. What's interesting is that just a couple months ago, because I remember speaking at a conference about it, a very, 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 very large card corporate was working on their supplier side. They were working on improving their supplier experience. So very B2B. His exact words to me, chief procurement officer, exact words to me were, I want to do Venmo with my suppliers. I want to do B2B Venmo. Mm-hmm. And of course, we all know that they're not going to, VAP, you know, they're not going to mobile each other payments, right? But if you think about his words, what the guy was asking for is account to account, real time. That's what the guy wanted. He wanted a Venmo-like experience, which was account to account, real time. And again, back to B2B, that's not something we generally 
unless you're a small business, the, de the dentist office can do it, you know, probably pretty easy. But there is a real need in the B2B space for the ability to move, you know. So that, that's where it's going to be interesting when you get to the Fed nows and the, you know, the clearinghouses movement of money is who's using it and for what. Right now, I think the biggest use is still payroll from the clearinghouse. I think that's still the biggest use. There's an increase in some B2B if you look at their statistics, but the biggest use is still is still payroll. Venmo is also interesting because it is what's taking over checks for your small provider. You're the guy who is cutting the grass, my hair person. Everybody has Venmo. You can, you can put it on your mobile phone instantly. What's interesting about Zelle, you actually have to input the person's name and make sure they have it. I don't think I've ever Venmoed somebody money and then come back and go, I don't have Venmo because it's so easy to just say, okay, I can just look and put it into my account. Very, very simple, very consumer friendly, very consumer centric. Venmo has made some new agreements with Amazon, which is a big deal where, you know, ways to pay other organizations with Venmo, which again, same thing, excuse me, same thing as PayPal, but Venmo's the 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 consumer version of it. And I will say from a, a bank experience, Zelle is painful. <laughs> I have helped banks set up Zelle. They, if you notice, there's only three distributors of Zelle, only three in the U.S. because it's so painful to set up. There's four different contracts, a complete credit review. It is very painful. And so banks don't do it. So they go to one of these three distributors and that distributor is taking on that work and risk, but the distributor is still doing the work. It's just taking it up because that's why credit unions can't do it. They can't afford the time, the money, the resources. And so from an inside perspective, inside the, the Beltway, the banks that own Zelle have made it a very hard club to get into. Very hard club. And they've restricted it through certain member points. So it works, not disputing that. And as you know, there was huge issues in the beginning with fraud and did the other guy have it on his phone and all that stuff. But Venmo just doesn't have that same experience. But if you're a financial institution that wants to offer Zelle, that's that's a painful journey. I can attest to it. Go a little bit more into P2P. Is there any other ways that people are paying each other platform-wise or? Besides Venmo. Besides, yeah. <laughs> Some people is PayPal. And and what's really, what's really interesting, we'll go back to, you know, Marianne's early comments about the way we used to do banking. Financial institutions of the U.S. used to have a big business in the POS world where financial institutions would actually build relationships with your small merchant, your restaurants, your small convenience store, these kind of people through your POS device. And that was something that was sold as a service, not a real high markup, a messy business, almost like handling cash in Mary Ann's. But the reality was the banks gave it up. And with that, it took a couple of decades to realize the power of the information that that POS terminal used to capture because we didn't have any ways to use the data if we got it. You know, the fact that you'd have all the merchant transactions wasn't something that the banks even looked at keeping or doing anything with. Well, today, those are coveted relationships in much the same way that a PayPal relationship you know, financial institution wished they were able to get those transactions back because at my institution, where I pay all my contractors with PayPal and get all my receipts for subscriptions via PayPal, I basically get continuous offers from PayPal for loans and other things on an instant basis. My business banking relationship simply gets PayPal, 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 PayPal. They don't know where it's going. They don't know what it's coming from. They believe within their bank, oh, by the way, we have a good relationship. It has this much balance in the account on a regular. 
that's all they know. But if I wanted to get a, a, a small business loan, it would take me probably 21 days between the application process, paper, the adjudication process, back office, and the dispersion process, which in many cases has a three to seven day float on the disbursement of the loan, again, risk-wise. While at PayPal, I could, I could ask for it and get it today. They built the risk into the model. And at the end of the day, I don't even look at the rate because most small businesses are dealing with a cash flow issue. And the difference in rate between my traditional financial institution and PayPal and the internal mindset risk of being turned down, most people take the PayPal relationship. When you look at the past, way before either one of you were born, banks spent a lot, they had a lot of people on the streets, retail bankers on the streets, managing, transferring, making, you know, these POS terminals all work. But now, you know, we wish we all had the, the information that Amazon had, that Spotify has, all, what a lot of these organizations that are payment, that, that, you know, that Venmo has. You know, you can tell everything about me by looking at my Amazon, by my Amazon relationship. And, you know, at some point, Apple or Amazon will leverage that to the hilt and find a way around worrying about government regulation and, you know, kick pushback. Amazon, don't they offer like businesses loans? Don't they have a loan yes. facility for uh, in the U.S.? For their vendors? Oh, yeah. For the vendors? Yeah. Well, and Apple, Apple has a high rate savings account. I know we're in payments, but the reality is right now, they are one of the major competitors in the savings space right now because they're offering a high rate savings account. Oh, by the way, let's see, we have maybe 10 minutes left. I could open up an Apple savings account before your next question is completely answered and have money deposited. And just yesterday, just yesterday, go look on LinkedIn. I don't know who published it. Just yesterday, there was a, a beautifully done graphic that said, Amazon and Apple are a bank it's not a bank. Yeah. It's got a picture of the Apple and it's got the savings account. It's got the, it's got the loans it's, right. and it's like the bank that's not a bank. And it's really a brilliant graphic that shows you how far into the payments, banking, financial services space they are without a banking charter. And it's, again, it's amazing. in the payments <laughs> world, it's the data and insight that they're collecting in this process that is the most valuable part. I mean, if you want to build interactions, if you want to build engagement, if you want to build relationships, it's going to take data. And the banks, over time, have given up ways to get sourcing of that data. It's unfortunate. Interesting. So quickly to move into just something a little bit about e-commerce, because obviously during the pandemic, <laughs> things changed more over towards e-commerce, you know, because it was more convenient and everything. So how did the pandemic affect the U.S. e-commerce ecosystem, if you will? And who were the winners? Yeah, we've been, you've been, you've mentioned Amazon, I think, two or three times. Yeah. So, I mean, they're obviously, you know, one of the biggest. One so, of yeah, them. like, how did that? Uh... Marianne, do you want to start, Marianne, on that? It, it, you know, we have, we've said the names. The key is everybody was a winner. Um, if you, DoorDash was a winner. If you didn't go out and didn't purchase things, you you order them online. It's just as simple. Did people pay their bills more? I think that helped, right? But if you're still Aunt Clara writing a check to the utility company, that probably didn't change, right? But as far as ordering things, purchasing things, um, complete lack of travel in many cases, right? And so, you know, those monies shifted. So the winner was probably easier to talk about the losers, storefronts, brick and mortar. But they have now found ways there is, there is no storefront you can't buy Correct. digitally. 
Sometimes they're partnering with Amazon. Sometimes they're doing it themselves. And and what is very interesting is, you know, I, I use this all the time in my presentations. If I was to tell you that you would pay over $100 a year for the right to shop digitally, where you may be paying more, you say, I'm crazy. However, I know in my household, it is not just the big ticket items. It's not just the birthday gifts and Christmas gifts. It's my Advil that I want this afternoon, and it will be here. It, and oh, and by the way, I don't compare prices because I just don't want the inconvenience of traveling. It's the inconvenience of forgetting when you've gone past the, the drugstore five times to pick up what you need. Saving time, saving money overall, you know, and the reality is Amazon will take all providers. There's nothing I look for in this world that I can't find digitally. In fact, I find things that I, I don't want <laughs> digitally. You know, I, I have a, a massive tennis shoe collection, a Jicks collection. Really? Be, because, oh, oh it's, it, my wife, she goes, no more, no more. And I, and I come up with an excuse Another for podcast. why I need this. So, yeah, it's, it's, and, and actually at, at Cybos, the joke was, you're going to be here five days. You better have five sets of shoes, Jim, because we came to like that in Money 2020. So it was one of these things that it becomes a thing. But the thing is, there's nothing I can't find. And it's all digital. Um, and delivered. And the key is my daughter and her husband live in East Village in Manhattan, right? So you're talking bodega on every corner, no car. Yeah, there's a Trader Joe's somewhere. But she and I were traveling together somewhere out of the country. Don't even ask me where. Her husband was home and he was sick. So she, on her phone, orders NyQuil, Tylenol, and a soup to have delivered to him in East Village of Manhattan while she and I are in another country. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, by the way, it could have, and it could be delivered by Uber, which is, you know, as you know, the, the taxi service. What is interesting, I talk about as ecosystems get bigger in the whole payment space. Amsterdam's a great example of money 2020. I took an Uber from the airport to the hotel. During that trip, Uber contacts me and says, here are three restaurants that you would like because these are places you've gone to in the past. And they partner with a company called Open Table in the States. So basically, they know the kind of food I like, what kind of restaurants, what price points. They offer me that. I don't respond. The next screen, here is takeout places where you can order and we'll deliver it for you by Uber in that. And then further down, Here's these are things you want to do in Amsterdam based on what you've done in the past. So why did I go see the, the graffiti museum strat at, in Amsterdam? Uber recommended, and I used Nuber <laughs> to get there. And now they, they know because when I was in Brazil, when I've been in Panama, when I've been in New York City, all these cities, I take an Uber to the, the location of, you know, of graffiti locations. And it's very interesting because it, it's, it's taking that question about digital ecosystems about payments and, and online buying. And it says all these organizations are realizing that the real power is in the data and then the partnering. You know, in the States, Uber will deliver McDonald's to you. But back to your original question, winners and losers, it just reinvented an entire ecosystem. So yeah. again, the losers were storefronts until they figured out I don't have to be just a storefront. I didn't think of combining driving and food and shopping and, you know, so innovation that it created had to be forced and it for got forced upon us by COVID. Somebody would have thought of some of it, right? Uber was pretty cool from the beginning. You don't think about your pain, yeah. right? 
embedded finance and all that other yeah, stuff. You don't think about the payment with Uber. That's why you just uh, don't think about right. Yeah. And so, so there were initial losers, but they they snapped. Well, they're gone, or they snapped back, right? And figured out how can I take traditional brick and mortar or you know traditional services um, and reinvent them in a way that is Uber Uber convenient. I didn't mean yeah. That well, and it's interesting because you know. They, they've also gotten rid of, since COVID, all the challenges to the whole digital experience. So Amazon will allow you to return anything without a cost. Now, they've, they've changed that a little bit. But if you, have a, if you have a Prime account, you can return anything. So my wife does not have any problem buying clothing, apparel, anything. Because she knows if it's wrong, I can return it. Most of your retailers, high-end retailers, will allow the same thing. So she orders it not from the Amazon, but through a high-end retailer. It doesn't cost anything to return it. And, you know, those getting rid of friction points, there's very few places where you go, you know what, I really, really have to see it. I'm, I I've looked it up and it would throw off the camera. I just got a computer last night, an Apple computer. It is a replacement for one. It is not something I would buy online without able to see it, feel it, heaviness. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And I love the personal service. But... When's the next time I went by a computer? The last one was in seven, 2017. So what, six years from now? And I'll buy a watch from there or a replacement watch or a replacement phone. But there are people that buy that all online because they do enough research. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. And so in terms of like when people are using e-commerce payments, like is that, a, do they, in terms of like a payment? It's a wallet. It's a wallet. Basically, Every transaction I do and my family does, they can pick which card they want to use it and which address they want to deliver to. So my son, my wife, my sister-in-law, and myself all use the exact same Amazon account. They just have to find it. They have to be smart. I think they're using their own cards and their own place of delivery. I don't think I'm paying for all of it, but I could be. <laughs> but the reality, I can pick between a business and a personal card on the on the wallet. They keep they provide us in my wallet right now. I think I have nine different payment methods. It's all for different things, different people in some cases. Oh well, that's wow. a, that's I would think that would be uh, unique, Marion. Can you speak to the like the general like sort of like payments mix for retailers online? Like, how do people pay for stuff in general? They're ordering it. Honestly, it's it's a menu. I, I you know you can say well, it's a menu, right? And so they'll instantly say PayPal. Okay. You know, I click PayPal if it's not an Amazon Prime, because that just goes to Jim's point. Um, but they'll give you lists of PayPal. I can't even remember because it's always the first one and I just sit there, but there's bars of different choices. But then they'll try and also get you to do buy now, pay later, um, pay in four. Uh, PayPal calls their BNPL pay in four. Um, and so they have their own flavors of these different payment methods, right? Some will just be BNPL, um, but PayPal instantly, I just pay. But over here it says pay in four for no, you know, no charge. And that's their version of BNPL and stuff like that. So um, it's just, it's a menu. And behind the menu bars are whatever you would have subscribed, a card, an account. You know, I always recommend people not have your your checking account attached to any of these. Um, Don't ever let them, don't don't let people into your checking account. Mm -mm. Don't let anybody. I mean, that's the difference for debits and credits, right? Debit cards. Even my uh, Venmo is not to my checking account. I don't want anybody touching my DDA because that's cash, whole different set of rules. They wipe it out. You're going to have a whole different set of problems than you do if you have a card. So, huh? 
that's a whole nother conversation. But I just like the only person that should touch your checking account is you. That's the only person, unless you write a check or, I mean, that's, but that's you writing a check. Right. Cause we use here, like everything is ideal. There's an account to account payment. So like every, mm-hmm. everything I, I, and I'm sure both of you are familiar with that ideal. Uh, so like that's, but I would front it. Ideal would be my front account that I would move from something else when I wanted to. So I, I would not give anybody unfiltered access to my check, my cash. Oh, wow. That's super, that's just a lot different than it is. Yeah, uh, that is quite different. Yeah. Cause sure. it's always been like giving someone your, your, you know, your bank account number, your yeah. debit account number is like, oh, fine, whatever, you know, it's Roll just like, the eh. like nothing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic because back when people were starting to go to electronic debit, when there was a big push, right. For allowing the debits for your utility payments. And some people are like, I am not giving you my bank account. Well, what the hell do you think's on the bottom of your check? Your bank account. So the psyche of that, right? My motto is kind of, I will sign up for repetitive uh, transactions if it's the same. So my car payment, my mortgage payment, I don't have to worry. It's the same $1,000 payment every time. Anything that's variable, I will not allow automatically. I want to look at it. Why did it change? So I don't allow free access for debits if it's a variable kind of payment. So phone bill, electric bill, anything that can vary. That's me because I've worked in the bank. I've taken the customer calls of having your account tapped. So um, I know enough to be, I know enough to be dangerous. So, and sometimes I just pay by phone, but I'm controlling that. I'm controlling the payment date and I'm controlling the amount. I'm not just letting blind debits hit. So, you know, there's enough bad actors out there that any little thing that people can do to, to better manage it. I think is a good thing. And I, I'm willing to put in that time. Other people just say, I'll deal with it if it's a problem, right? But yeah, I think cash is sacred. So you really should be careful who you allow access to your checking account. And you confront it, like I said. So my checking account can go to one penny. Something's incoming. I just move it over. It's just called cash management. <laughs> wow, we, we've covered like a, a, a lot of things. <laughs> and yeah, I, I usually also ask a question about like, what's the PSP uh, landscape like? I think we've covered enough ground uh, in, in this call and learn that Jim has a, has a shoe collection. Has a shoe fetish. Let's not act like we didn't know this. Doesn't... You've seen Jim when he comes to yeah, Amsterdam. That's true. He always yeah. has great kicks on every time. So it's, a, it's an old guy thing. You know, it's one of these things you want to stay young and it, it's always nice when you get on an airplane or something and somebody goes, wow, didn't expect to see that. I go, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Okay, well, this has been a super enlightening call about, I'm sure, for me too, I guess, for yes, both of us definitely. who are from the U.S., but for definitely people who aren't from the U.S., and they probably have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably have a lot of more questions about how we do it in the U.S. and why we're so uh, different. Uh, so maybe we need to do it. <laughs> maybe we need to, like, assemble those and have, have a, you do, do a Q&A or something uh, for everyone Indeed. that, you know, just, you know, Ask me anything on payments in the yeah. U.S. Do. Uh, Those are very popular. Mm-hmm. So we can people can you know ask you the all the the burning questions. The burning questions, indeed. The stuff they ask me at dinner when I'm at the country club. Yeah, yeah, that's no, exactly, exactly. No, no, exactly. What is crypto? What is quantum? What is, why doesn't your ATM work? Oh no, but we we will be coming back with another yeah. quantum episode. Uh, oh yeah, episode. I'll reach out to Ray. I'll copy you guys on an email. Yeah. So so. I know you can reach either Marianne or I via LinkedIn uh, messaging. And, you know, I know I get back and I know Marianne does because she has. Um, <laughs> when you have a question or you say, you know, can we can we talk about this? It, it's it's what Marianne does for a living. It's what I do for a living. 
you know, if we can't share what we've seen and, you know, the good news is Marianne's network and my network are very large. So we will be very quick to say, if we don't know it, we probably know somebody who does, which is kind of, it's a very neat position to be in, but it, it comes with uh, age. Yes. Tenure, tenure, tenure. Experience. Experience. Yeah, experience. There we go. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you so much for coming on Paytech Talk. This was uh, this was definitely a great informative episode. So, oh no, this is this has been great, and it was super cool having you both Ohio natives on here, making you proud. <laughs> but it's good to have a sometimes some more in depth content yeah, for for people, for sure. especially around these things. It's like everyone knows America. It's like, oh, America. I wonder how it works there, and they'll have an hour to listen to yeah. <laughs> to people talk about <laughs> payments in America. Love our checks. <laughs> yes. I uh, I do actually we had to learn in home ec how to write a check oh okay back when I was like 12 or something I used to do the banking class when my kids were fifth grade was the the year they would do a banking class so I would get what you guys would never understand Jim would is kit checks so when you first opened a bank account they gave you 25 kit checks no numbers whatever it was just to keep you going until your checks arrived so I would order kit checks from the the deluxe or Harlem, you know, the check printers at the time. And I would do a whole banking class on how to write a check, how to balance a checkbook. And I always made the field trip, a trip down to the Cleveland Fed, because the oh, kids cool. want to see the guns and the money. That's all they care about. So the guns and the money. <laughs> and then I would take them to the national city vault, the cash vault in the bank. And all they wanted to see is money. They didn't care about the check. <laughs> they just... You know, but it was the best field trip. But we actually tried, Emily. We tried to educate our youngins <laughs> as to what a check and checking account was and how to balance it. And I don't even know if that happens anymore. I don't know. I, I feel like I was like the last of it, probably with the <laughs> with the check thing. But uh, yeah, we did we did have to learn it. Um, if I had to write a check now, I would probably struggle and have to Google it. Yeah, I, I could Google I it too. Learn. Yeah, I, I would definitely no, I, I would definitely have to Google. Yeah, I, or I call my mom. And I'd ask my mom. Mom, it would be mom. Like I said, it's generational. It, you know, we need this layer to die. It's as simple. Not the checks. Not the checks. Keep the checks. Have a great weekend, everyone. All right, you too. Thanks. Uh, well. Thanks Thank for joining so us, uh, Mary. Oh wait, I And and we are. Penn State. <laughs> there we go. We'll see what happens. You've just been listening to Paytech Talk, the podcast about payments. Paytech Talk is brought to you by Cognito Amsterdam. Thanks for listening.